The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. Hello, this is Rev Jackie, and we are wrapping up Black History Month here on Voices of Unity. And I am so thrilled to have today the voice of the inspirational LaShawn McIntosh. Welcome to Voices of Unity, LaShawn. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you so much for being willing to step forward and step into this experience. We're going to have a good time, I think. You know, we don't know each other well. Uh, we met in January at um, in Dallas, Texas, which is where you are, um, where you are based. And I'm um, yes. at the Creating Change Conference. And I just learned for both of us, it was our first experience there. Yes, it was. It was. And um, I had a great time. Unity was a sponsor. Unity World Headquarters was a sponsor. And so a small group of us, a couple of members of our board and a couple of staff members were able to go and participate. And we had a booth there. And so we were really able to just soak up that uh, whole experience was just it was really life changing. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect going into it. It seemed um, like it would be really cool. And the offerings were in like the workshops, breakout sessions, the keynote speakers were all just seemed extraordinary and it really proved I would even say I did it would have promised yes it, it, it was very good that was my that was my very first time um, I definitely enjoyed the atmosphere and I definitely enjoyed meeting new people I enjoyed meeting you and that was believe it or not my very first interfaith service I had never oh been really before. oh wow so yeah that's where we met so on Sunday morning there was an interfaith service and we had um, our Reverend Juan Deliero from Unity and he's on our board um, participated and shared a message and you also were one of the um, speakers presenters for that experience I got to ring the um, crystal singing bowl to you know to chime us in to a time of prayer and meditation, and so that was really I love how that was orchestrated. Um, it was such a nice, easy flow. It was. I don't know how you could get a handful of preachers to stay within the minute of within a time frame of two minutes. I know. That was difficult. That's right. That's that was it. very difficult. It was. And, you know, I appreciate because I also was charged at the last minute with being the timekeeper, which is hilarious for anyone who knows me because I'm, you know, I'll always late. And so I was a timekeeper. It was like one minute, one minute, one minute. And I was supposed to, or two, whatever it was, I was supposed to, you know, give a, a hand signal. It was two minutes. minutes. I was supposed to give a hand signal, but you were very much, I could tell, concerned and, and um, committed to staying within your time frame, and you did it. And I think you were like yes, one of the yes. like two people that I was, did. I, was in t- I, was in, I wanted to make sure, because I did not want you to ring the bell on me. <laughs> I did not. And you looked like you were intentional. You were going to do it. I, I saw it. I saw it on your face. Well, I you know, said, no, I had a job. Too many. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, and it was, you know, also very cool to see, you know, how much could be shared, how much heart could be shared. And you were able to really connect with everyone. And so it was beautiful to um, experience this Absolutely. weaving and, um, you know, this sort of symphony of voices coming through to speak the, to the different topics. You went know, through like the rainbow of colors and 
um, and really brought it to the heart space. It was a beautiful experience. It was good. It was. And so you had a group from your church, which you are from Fresh Wind Restoration Center in yes, Dallas, I Texas. Am the, um, I am the senior pastor. I'm an apostle in the Lord's Church. Um, I am the senior pastor of Fresh Wind Restoration Center. So a group of our church members volunteered that day. Um, they were also greeters at the uh, Creating Change uh, conference. They were greeters and greeters that day. So we all came to the service as well. A handful of us came to the service and we really enjoyed it. That was the first time for some of them as well. Ah, wonderful. And so talk to us about, so, you know, I want to kind of just get you introduced to our listeners. Sometimes I read a bio um, and I, I just wanted, you know, I talked with you ahead of time. I really wanted this to be organic. Um, since you aren't a voice of unity per se, you know, I, <clears throat> one thing I like to do is to bring different voices to the table. During this show and to really um, be able to connect with each other in unity, like in the idea and ideal of unity. And so um, talk to me about your ministry, the Fresh Wind Restoration Center. Um, Is it part of a denomination? Is it independent? Um, Fresh Wind Restoration Center, we are a non-denominational church. Um, we've been in I've, we've been in existence for eight years. We celebrate eight wonderful years this year, and we are definitely excited about that. Um, yes, we are a non-denominational church, and we are a church for all people, um, all ethnic backgrounds, all cultures. It doesn't matter. We are open church for everyone to come in a safe space for people to worship. Um, and we worship God in spirit and in truth. And whatever that looks like, um, the heart of Fresh Wind is, the, is restoration. Um, my, our mission is to equip God's people to live a life of excellence and how to do that fully, authentically and in themselves and according to God's word. And that's what we do. Um, we are a family church. We love each and every one. Anyone that comes into Fresh Wind, you are automatically family. Somebody oh, is going it. to hug you. <laughs> Somebody is going to say, oh, welcome. You know, you're going to get that good family feeling. We are a family oriented church. And that's what we build our love and our fellowship around. So we'll always get together. We'll go. We'll go bowling. We'll go eat. We'll fellowship and do things like that. We'll get together, have a potluck, or we'll just get to do and just do family things. So the heartbeat of Fresh Wind is the story of restoration, but we're also family. I love it. And so to our Unity listeners, they're probably nodding their heads like, you know, yeah, when you walk into Unity Church, you're going to get a hug. And there's going to be that family feeling. And so I I love hearing you talk about that and the idea of restoration and, and of being an open table that all people are welcome. And um, so you are celebrating eight years. Wonderful. Congratulations. And um, and so are you you. a founder of Fresh Wind? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Okay. And so Um, what I'm learning about you real quick is that you are a founder. You are you are a Kickstarter. Right. That's your nature. Yes. Yes. That is your nature. Okay. So talk to me about um, first. Here's what I want to hear. Let's back up a little bit, because what I learned about you in Dallas in just like maybe even a 30 second conversation with one of your congregants was that you became a minister. She said, I think she said like when you were seven years old, I started and I've been in ministry. I've been in church my whole life. I was born and raised in church. Um, I started in what's in the nomina- a denomination that's called the a Metropolitan Spiritual Churches of Christ. Okay. And I was an, an acolyte. Um, we, we do some of the practices. They, they have some of the practice, um, the liturgical practices of the Catholic Church. So um, I was an acolyte at the age of five. So from five to hmm, five until around 13. 13 is when I realized that I knew that I was called to preach. I knew that I was called to do more than just serve the altar. And so around 13 is when ministry, the ministry life for me started. So okay. I started uh, speaking and I started teaching and things of that nature around 13. That's and amazing. I didn't, 
And so they, oh, and so people, I was just like, that's amazing. Like, I just want to like really give people a minute to soak that in. So at age 13, you said you started speaking, you started, and you mean preaching. Yes. 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 I, so I, I didn't, I didn't technically call it preaching because I was, I didn't, I didn't want to be the 13 year old preacher. You know, right, you still sure. wanted to keep your friends. So sure. you just thought, oh, I'm just speaking at youth day, you know, right, right. you didn't want to, you didn't want to lose your circle, you know? Right. Right. So, um, I started speaking around the age of 13 at our youth day services and opening up our church services with prayer or whatever it was, reading scripture, whatever it was in the, in the service. I started at the age of 13. I started, I, I started singing in the choir young, of course, and directing the choir. Um, I went to Prayer Tabernacle Church, which is a very, um, it was a very popular church in Detroit, Michigan, um, under the pastoring of Reverend D.K. Craig. So I started um, in gospel real early. So all mm-hmm. of the gospel greats and legends, I grew up with them. Uh, Thomas Whitfield, uh, James Cleveland, all of those people, I grew up seeing seeing these people on Sunday because they went to our church. So it, gospel music was something that was instilled in me way early. So church has just been my life from the beginning. Wow. That's amazing. What a beautiful backdrop for you to come into ministry and into your own voice uh, for ministry. And so and um, I'm thankful for it. I definitely am. Well, I imagine so. And so so this let's let's fast forward a little bit. And so you went to seminary. Yes, I I went to actually, um, I'm an alumni of Oral Roberts University. Okay. So I have a degree in psychology and theology. So it's kind of a double major. So ORU is a university. It's not just, it's not seminary all by itself. It's college. It's real university. Mm -hmm. It costs a lot. Like everybody else in school costs a lot. And you'll have student loans for the rest of your life (laughs) to show for it. Um, But I enjoyed my time. I also went to Rama Bible Training Center there in Tulsa as well. I did that two-year program. And um, yes. And so talk to me more about Rama because you talked about being. Oh, a, yes. A, um, we, I am part owner of what's of a theology school here in Dallas by the name of Rama Midwest College of Theology. We're the only one here in Dallas. We are a satellite school of Midwest College of Theology. So okay. we've been in existence for one year. Awesome. Congratulations. And so back to you being a Kickstarter. So was this your brainchild? Is this something you went into, you know, partnership with someone? Yes. Um, our part, my, my business partner, she's amazing. She's, uh, she's Dr. Antoinette and she is amazing. So that was something that, uh, that the Lord placed on our heart as far as business is concerned for the heart of fresh wind. That was something the Lord placed on our heart uh, a while ago. We just didn't know how it was going to come into fruition and it did. So we, it was something in the birthing process of probably about a year. Okay. Wow. And so how many students do you have? Um, we have um, we teach the associates, bachelors, masters, and doctoral. So right now we have about over twenty five. Wow, that's uh, for your first year. That's amazing. Yes, yeah, yes. that's really wonderful. And is it online? And it's online. Is it, okay, that's what I was going to ask. And so the Unity Seminary, <clears throat> Unity Spiritual, um, uh, Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute is also online, but it's it's kind of a hybrid. Um, so the online courses are. Um, uh, synchronous so people meet at the same time and you can see each other on video and, and that kind of thing and then um, some of the courses the students come for a week-long intensive at the end and so they might you know come for a week in June or a week in August and uh, are finishing up some of those courses do you do that kind of thing or is it strictly online yes um, it's mostly online and then towards the end of the year by before graduation comes they'll come and take those final things that are in person gotcha and it's right around that time so yes gotcha. awesome well you know that online education really you know is 
the way of, of the future and uh, people are yes. moving to it because um, especially, you know, in ministry and and, well, and I would suppose in any um, career that you would choose you know, to be able to have the option to not have to relocate, um, you know, to be able to stay where you are, maybe keep your job and, you know, do courses outside of what typical school time, that kind of thing. And um, especially if you have a partner or family that would also be impacted by that. Right. Boy, yeah, it make. makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Definitely makes it a lot easier. For sure. And, you know, and then there's a sort of controversy here of like, well, what's the depth of the education and especially for something like ministry um, for being online. But I, I taught at um, the Unity Online um, Seminary and and oh, I was I graduated in 2015. So I'm a fairly recent graduate and was the last class of the brick and mortar seminary. And so <laughs> I kind of was, you know, like very skeptical of what this online experience could be, because, of course, nobody could have have the same seminary experience I had online, right. you know, and well, you know, I mean, the truth is nobody's going to have the same seminary experience I had, whether it's in person or online anyway, online. you know, it's That's only exactly my experience. Was and seminary was going to change your life. Yeah. Whether it's online or in person. Yes. You're still going to die. Yes, exactly. And it's, you know, and it's not that that is like that's not what makes the minister, right? And right, it's just right. interesting because in the history of unity, um, all unity education started as correspondence courses in the early 1900s. So it was, you know, essentially online, you know, in right, in a very, right. you know, pen and paper kind of way um, from the beginning and then became a, a, a seminary at Unity Village here and then now has gone online. And um, and so when I became an instructor is where I really was able to experience that, oh, wow, how these students, you know, this, were bonding and, um, and how connected, even as an instructor, I felt to them and had that experience. So... I was like, okay, I can get over this. Yes, and you made it. You made it. I did. I made it. I made it, and it's you know amazing. And Anybody then, that graduates out of seminary, I'm I'm I, I tip my hat to them because right. I understand what it took to get to that point. Yeah. Anyone that graduates from college, period, I yes. tip my hat. Because yeah. it's a lot to get to that. It is. And you're, you know, you're willing, anytime you're going in to learn something, any kind of course, any kind of education, you're, you're, you're willing to change your mind and your heart. You yeah, know? absolutely. And so, you know, yeah, I love that. Tip your hat. Yes. Let's tip our hat to all of our fellow seminarians. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We feel you. See you at the end. See you, <laughs> See at, you the end. at the end. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so, so I want to hear about, so you, you started at age 13, you started speaking, not calling it ministry because of course you wanted to keep your friends and, um, you know, but, but you had, you had this clear understanding, this clear calling and you knew, you know, sort of your destiny, if you will. Um, and so how did you, did you just follow, um, suit after you graduated college or excuse me, high school? Did you go right into Oral Roberts, right into seminary or? Actually, no. Um, actually, I went to historically black college first. I went to Alabama A&M University for two years. Okay. And um, I was there and I was on an academic scholarship and it was great. But I knew that that was an experience I was supposed to have. But I knew that I wasn't supposed to graduate from there. I knew that the first two years I just needed to be there. But I knew it was something else I needed to do. Well, my mentor at the time had just moved to Tulsa. And she, her and her husband had enrolled in Rama Bible 
uh, Bible, Bible college there in Tulsa. And she said, you need to come and visit Oral Roberts. I'd always heard about Oral Roberts growing up because my grandmother and, you know, Oral Roberts and the history of it and things of that nature. So I said, well, you know, it's my mentor. I love Tara, so why not? So I went to Oral Roberts University for college weekend. And that's there where you're there for the entire weekend and you learn about the university. And it was there that I heard the voice of God, like, this is where you need to be. And I said, well, this is where I need to be, Lord. You're going to have to convince my parents that I need to leave because I'm on scholarship and they're going to look at me like it's crazy you walking away from a scholarship to transfer to something different that you're going to have to pay for I said so Lord you're going to have to convince my parents because they're Mm -hmm. not going to hear it Mm -hmm. and sure enough um, I went home after I'm going to college weekend I sat down and talked to my parents and I said "Um, I'm going to I would like to transfer to ORU um, next fall Um, this is where I need to be this is what I heard God say and they didn't question it at all they totally agreed with it and everything fell into place I got accepted um I got the partial scholarship that I needed versus on the things that I wanted to do. I started singing in Souls of Fire Choir. That's where I met uh, Carlton Pearson and I got oh. to sing on Azusa three times. Oh, and, wow. you know, all the things that I, all the experiences that I had in um, Alabama set the precedence for what I went to into Oral Roberts. So that's how I got there. Wow. So uh, Bishop Carlton Pearson. He is a friend of unity. You know, he's been a speaker at some of our conventions and different um, events. And wow, he is really something. He is. That is my guy. He's an amazing guy. I met him again my first year at ORU um, singing in Souls of Fire. And Souls of Fire Mm -hmm. is one of the choirs that he started when he attended the university. And it's still in existence to this day. So singing on Azusa and spending time and and meeting him. I've seen him several times since he's come when he's come here to Dallas. And he's excited every time because I have a different hairstyle every time he sees me. Um, I had locks for five years. So then he saw me with that. And then this next time I cut him off. He's like. You, you did something different to your hair. I was like, well, yeah, you know, that was just like <laughs> last year, you know. But, yes, I've, I enjoyed being able to share those moments and those times with him. Wonderful. And so so your background coming from Oral Roberts University, and we met at Creating Change Conference. So let's talk about the trajectory of, of that, of, you know, a more conservative environment, you know, to a more liberal environment and, and what your journey has been with that. So for those who don't know, the Creating Um, Change Conference is an LGBTQ conference. Yes, 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 it is. Um, One thing I've learned is that um, my assignment is different than others that walk the same journey. Um, I know that I'm called to bridge the gap between two worlds and to bring And the number one mission that I have is to make sure that people know the good news, that the love of God is for all people. So it doesn't matter what doors I have to walk through in order to do that. That's my mission and that's my assignment. And it is, I know it's kind of um, a, a challenge for other people coming from ORU and knowing my background and things of that nature. I understood it when I walked into those doors, what God had called me to do. Mm-hmm. I just had to be confident in the ability that God has given me to do those things. So I'm okay with the naysayers. I'm okay with the people that may turn their eye and look differently, but my, my assignment isn't to you. I'm a call to the voice of a nation that people need to hear what God has to say for who they are and what needs to be done according to that. And that's what I have to be confident in. So it it has been a challenge. Um, I've, I definitely have may have lost some friends, lost some connections, but 
when you say yes to your assignment, you got to be okay with those that you start with and may not end with you. And you have to be okay with walking in the journey sometimes by yourself. And that's where I am. I'm confident in this thing that God has given me and I'm going to do it regardless of the people who are okay with it or not. I got to do what he said that needs to be done. I love it. I love just your, your commitment to your own clarity about that. And, and also, you know, what I'm hearing is that there's not a rejection um, a, a, there's not a rejection sentiment from you and that you're still keeping an openness. And I think you, so you called yourself like a bridge. Yes. And, and that's such an important, um, that's a, such an important piece of what we need in society. It's, it's important to bridge the gap because so many people, um, when you talk about rejection, rejection is the thing that has caused people to check out of here in life. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I don't want to be that one person to reject someone and I'm their last opportunity at getting this thing right. You understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, last year, in the beginning of this year, so many people have uh, taken their lives because of rejection. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want to live another day and there are people that are out here that just need to know that God loves them. Like Mm -hmm. this is the last opportunity. So when you come into Fresh Wind Restoration Center, if this is their last moment, they're going to know, they're going to feel the love of God when they walk into our church. They're going to feel the love of God when they hit the door and somebody gives them a peppermint and say, hey, Mm -hmm. we're glad to have you today. And they're embracing them. No one is judging them. No one is looking at them to say, oh, you you don't look the same way that I do. That's not what this thing is about because when you cut my arm, we're going to bleed the same way. Mm -hmm. It it really doesn't matter, but I don't want to be the person that rejects people because of what they look like. I'm not looking at, I'm not looking at your, your, your packaging. I'm looking at the contents of your heart because that's what God is going to see. God's not going to see that my hair is green and yours is blue. He's going to see what's in our heart. What's in my heart? Because what's in my heart is what really matters. Mm, I love it. And I, I love that, the, you know, how you said the last moment. You know, there's somebody's in their last moment and in need of knowing um, that they aren't being rejected by God or by the church. And and it actually, when you come into a place that's welcoming, it becomes a last moment of a different kind. It becomes a last moment of rejection, right? And a first moment of welcoming. Yes. I love that. And I, I think what I think is important is um, first impressions are the best impression. Mm-hmm. And and this your first in, impression of me might be your last impression and if this is your last impression I want that impression to be so impressionable that hey you walked out of here knowing that you can do it one more day Mm -hmm. you walked out of here knowing that God has given you a fresh start and that you can live another day knowing that his love is for you and so that's that's what that's what I'm a firm believer in I love it and you know and it's so important for the LGBTQ community um, because we know suicide rates are higher and um, and especially for our trans brothers and sisters, that um, there's such um, a prevalent experience of rejection, um, whether it's in you know the workplace and families and in spiritual communities. Um, so to be able to have um, a safe place to go and to be welcomed and embraced and to feel God's love and that experience of love um, is so is so critical and I think uh, can offer a turning point in those statistics. 
And it, it can, especially if you're creating an environment that's conducive for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot about uh, the trans community. Uh, I have a brother um, that is trans and uh, it's, it's a brother that I met when I moved here to Dallas. I had never known anything about it, never heard anything about it. But when meeting him prior to transition and things of that nature, it changed my outlook on a lot of things. And it changed my heart towards him because when I met my brother before his transition, you know, and and hear him coming to me in his heart saying, this is what I'm going to do. And I need you to love me and X, Y. And and I, I was shocked. I was like, I've never heard of this. Didn't know you could do this. But if this is what you feel, you you are my brother. And that that's it. And I had to learn how to love somebody in in the midst of in spite of what their decision is. It's not about whether I agree or not. That's his heart. And if that's your brother, you're going to love him regardless of what uh, that kind of the decision of his life is. Now, I'm not saying if my brother decided to go out there and commit murder that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, and support that. Right. No, that's not what right. I'm saying. But I'm saying in, in his life and the, the transition of his life, I was able to support him and love him and be what he needed me to be. If you're going to if you're going to stand with somebody, you're going to stand with them. And I learned a lot about the trans community. So first one is a safe space. That's beautiful and so important for us to have more and more spiritual communities. And especially, you know, I mean, so many people, I think Christianity in general has been oppressive to women and has been impressive and uh, oppressive to the black community and um, to the LGBT community. So it's not just one type. There are, there are multiple co- communities. And so when you then you start getting into the intersectionality of that um, lived experience, then, you know, it can start to feel like you don't belong in church and, and which then means you don't belong to God. And, um, and I know in unity, we have so much focus about, you know, belonging that we are all, you know, a perfect expression of the one perfect holy presence in the universe. And, um, the more we can get that message out, the more we can provide that bridge for people who have been so hurt, so deeply hurt. And, you know, in many cases from a generational perspective, you know, women who have raised daughters, who have raised daughters, who have raised daughters, who, you know, have continued to be oppressed by um, churches and by um, misuse of scripture that, um, you know, we we can now have opportunity to create a healing space for that and to really restore, you know, fresh wind, to, to bring a fresh wind, yep. you know, and, and to restore yes. that relationship and that experience of spiritual community. And I, th- I think the 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 main idea of first when we are church unusual and we're not the traditional church. So if you're coming looking for a traditional church experience, you're probably not going to get that. We have a traditional, we have a non-traditional way of doing certain things. Prime example, um, last year we did yoga Sunday and I had never done yoga ever in my life. And I think someone should have told me that yoga is as is difficult. It's not as easy as it looks, <laughs> right? You know, and from the outside, it looks like you're just, thing. you know, sitting there. Oh, no. <laughs> you, you, you should have told me that it, it was going to be a little bit different than that. Because I really thought I was doing something the first three minutes. And I was tired. I was sweating. And I was asking if it was break time. I thought, is it a break? Is it time for a break? You know? Well, hold on and hold that thought because it's time for us to have a break right now. It, it is our break time. And we will be back with more about uh, yoga <laughs> and so much more. <laughs> with Liz John McIntosh. You're 
listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. And we are back with Apostle LaShawn McIntosh from Dallas, Texas at the Fresh Wind Restoration Center there in Dallas. And just before the break, LaShawn, you were sharing with us about yoga, how it's so much more than it looks from the outside. Yoga, it, it takes a really flexible person uh, to do yoga. And I think I, I underestimated what I thought yoga was going to be. Um, we did yoga at our church, um, again, like last year, and it was a day of yoga and it was from, um, it was a non, we started off in, in with, um, worship. Um, we did a praise and worship song and then we went into, and we went into yoga and it was absolutely great. Absolutely great. I wanted to clock out at the first three minutes. I'm not going to say I wasn't, <laughs> uh, but I made it, I made it all the way to the end and it, I was, but I don't think that's, um, I think I was a little heavier then, a little fluffy. And I don't think, you know, if you want to lose weight, start with yoga because you will definitely not end up being fluffy. It'll, it'll take some of the fat off for right, sure. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. It's so, you know, it looks calm and like you're just breathing, right? The focus is to breathe, you know, but it takes so much strength and endurance. It to, takes, to really and especially it. if you're fluffy because you're trying to breathe and hold your own <laughs> self up together and not pass out and your heart don't stop. Oh, yeah, yeah it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. I love it. So when you're going to show up on a Sunday, uh, your services are on Sunday, is that correct? Yes. At Fresh Wind? Are, we're, we're currently now on just on Wednesday because we're preparing to move into our own space. Okay. So now we're on Wednesdays, um, Word Wednesday starting tomorrow. We'll be at the Irving Library. And I'm starting on my relationship series called Exhale. And it's back by popular demand. I did it last year and everyone loved it. So I've reinvented it and ex- added some extra things. So we'll be starting tomorrow at seven o'clock at the Irving Library. And tomorrow's topic is wait, there's a red flag on the play. Uh oh. Gotta watch for those red yeah. flags. Oh yeah. Dude, it's yeah we're, we're really good at ignoring them when we want to. We right? are. We are. <laughs> when it's and not convenient to see the one, two, three, four red flags. Exactly. Because <laughs> we're just some move of us past ignore those. them because we don't want to start over. Right. We're like, okay, I've been here for this long, you know, this is going to be it. And then you see seven of them and you're like, No, you're we're right. in denial about it. And sometimes yep. we're in denial more about truth than anything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well so though, let me quote that. Sometimes we're in denial about truth more than anything. So yeah. good. That is really good and so true. So your personal ministry. So you founded this um, church and you're in your eight years, eighth year, and um, you've got, I don't, I'm, I don't know how old you are and you don't have to share that, but. Well, I'm okay. 42. You're 42. 42. Okay. Yeah. And so doing ministry in one way or another, at least since the age 13. And, um, but certainly involved with church and active in, you know, and I think, you know, music ministry, the thing about that is if you're singing or playing the drums or, you know, the tambourine or whatever, you are creating, you're part of creating that worship experience for people. Absolutely. So that is the work of ministry to be the presence of that and, and working in that. So I always like to acknowledge that. Um, what is your personal mission, your personal ministry? Who, what is LaShawn about? Um, one thing I know for a fact, my personal ministry, it's called I am Pi, meaning P-I-E, um, is to teach people to how to live a purposeful and intentional and an extraordinary life, whatever that looks like for you. I think that I wasted so much time living 
life um, to make other people happy and not in my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think had I tapped into purpose, my own purpose um, early, some of the things that I would have done or some of the turns I made, I would not have taken had I known that. Um, One thing I teach people is that purpose, your, your passion is what should pay you. Purpose and passion should be the same thing. And if you're not working in passion or you're not working in your purpose, then you're not working in what you're called to do. Because if you're passionate about it, that passion is that thing that you do whether someone paid you or not. Mm-hmm. And had I tapped into that early, I think that some of the things, the the I guess the turns that I would have taken, I would have never taken had I understood the true meaning of purpose and passion. Love it. All right. So that's the P in pie and the I is intentional. Be intentional. Yes. And when you're in living an intentional life, you're doing everything intentional. I'm intentionally being who I am. I'm intentionally being authentic in whatever area of my life looks like. I'm intentional in every decision that I'm making according to what makes me happy. And not only am I intentional, the extraordinary part is I'm doing it so big you can't even put it in your hand. Uh-huh. That everything I do is absolutely extraordinary because it's in my purpose. And anything God gives us to, to do according to purpose, it has to be big because God is just that big. There's nothing basic about God. God does everything big. And if any assignment or vision that he's given you, if it's small, it ain't God. Everything God gives you is going to be well beyond your capacity to expand. It's going to be well beyond you. So if it's small, it ain't God. It got to be bigger than that. I love it. And, you know, and talk to me about this a little bit, because sometimes when we hear that kind of talk, when we hear that rhetoric of that and it and it sounds amazing and it sounds big um, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily look big on the outside by the world standards, but it can be right. big in the heart and big in the intention mm-hmm. and big in the purpose and the passion. But it might look quiet on the outside. And so there's a difference. Talk to us about the difference. There's a difference in the big, the big on the inside of you versus what the picture of it looks like to everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, The big is the how big it is and the capacity that you have in doing it. It's about capacity. So say, for instance, you have um, I started a a, a newspaper route, you know, when we all decided we want to do the newspaper route with the box and the bag and all Mm -hmm. that good stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and I had my own vision of what this newspaper route was going to be. It was small to somebody else, but it was a it was a major thing to me. So you can't be moved by what it looks like according to everybody else's standards mm-hmm. because it's not their vision. It's yours. So even if it may be small to the natural eye of someone else and it's major to in your own heart, that's the thing that you've got to grasp and be okay with. My vision may not be big to you, but it's big according to me and the capacity that I have to fulfill it according to God. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I love it. So I you can't it. be moved by what it looks like to the natural eye because it's not for them. It God gave right. it to you. Right. Well, and it's such an important point to make because I, I think some people, especially, you know, our culture is performance-based, you know, and, and performance-focused. And so, so I think it, it can leave some people feeling um, like they aren't doing enough and or they aren't good enough or you know, if they aren't, you know, because we start comparing, right? Compared to the Joneses right, and right. compared to these people and that people. And, um, and instead of trusting that what our own unique calling is and what our own work is to do in this world, to be in this world is enough as long as we are doing it to the fullness of our own capacity. Absolutely. I love how you, you bring capacity into that. And I, I think we miss it. We miss the mark by... Um, 
comparing ourselves to other people. I spent a lot of time in ministry comparing myself to other pastors, to other apostles. My sound may not sound like them, or my church doesn't look like their church, or my presentation isn't like their presentation. And what I realized, I was looking for validation in a place I'm never going to get. Mm-hmm. And what I have to under what we have to understand is you have to know who called you why they called you and what your purpose is for. And it's, you cannot judge your journey by somebody else's because your journey isn't according to theirs. And a lot of times we envy people, but not knowing the struggle that it took them to get there. So don't envy everybody based off of what they look like, because you may not want to pick up on the journey or go through the things that they've had to go through to get to where they are. So Mm -hmm. I'm not envying anybody and where they are because however you got there, God bless you. I'm glad you made it. This journey I'm on is for me. And I have to be confident in the ability that God and the gifting that God has given me, whatever it may look like. And um, because whom God called, he's already he's already called and he's justified and validated. So I'm validated by the call of Christ. That's it. I don't need anybody else's blessing for that. That's beautiful. And I love how you said the gifting, trust the gifting uh, of your own gifting. And because it is. And when we get caught in that that self-talk of I'm not doing enough, I'm not being enough, I'm not measuring up, you are looking over somewhere else and you're missing the gifts that are there for you and for others through you in those moments and by your own work. So I love that, that gifting, trust your gifting and that you are equipped and also that your journey is full of gifts for you. It is. It is. And you you got to know that you are a gift. Anything anything that God makes is a gift. You are an answer to somebody else. You are. That, that's there's no there's no other reason why we are here other than to you know to do the good news of course, but to be a gift to someone else and to, to be a blessing to someone else. Yeah. And you have to see yourself as that. I don't care if it's just a smile to say good morning to someone. You might be the best smile that someone has seen that day. Yeah. And so your presence is a gift. You got to know that. Yeah. And it is that is the and the you know capital P presence as the the presence of God that is that smile that you give that is the presence of God in and through Absolutely. you. You know that is the work of holiness. That is the work of connection and of love and and openness and and um I think I said connection already but really that's what we're here for, right? Is to connect with one another we which are. is in Absolutely. truth connecting to God. I love this. I think this is great. <laughs> I, I just I'm great. really enjoying this great. conversation and you know and that and I can you know relate to that idea of you know comparing yourself to other you know other pastors other ministers other churches and congregations and wondering you know well should I be doing this should I be doing that and it's you know we're so taught um to to do that comparison I could call it comparison theology right yeah that's good that's good and you know and and I think um people in most um lines of work you know who are not in ministry you know certainly um there are plenty um you know, salespeople are like that whole industry is built on competition and and comparison. And, you know, the, you know, let's look at the numbers, look at the numbers and and performance based work and, um, you know, being able to trust fully that your place in whatever line of work you're doing um, is exactly your place and that only, you know, you can only do it the way that you can do it. So you can't go and be the other person because you'll fail exactly. miserably. You're not that person, exactly. you know, so right. you, you've already it's failed. You're not that person. For you. Yes. Your assignment, the, the God given assignment is given for you. 
No one can beat you at doing what God called you specifically to do. People can imitate it all day long, but they won't be successful at it because God never gave it to them. He gave it to you. So that's why you can't be a copy of uh, somebody else because that thing that God gave them was for them. So you're not going to be successful if you copy it. Does that make sense? So you can't copy what I'm doing because God didn't give it to you. Now, you can use me as a model to try to tell you what to do and what not to do, but don't expect to have the same success at something that God has given me specifically to do. Yeah. Well, and that's so important, you know, using the model. And and when when we're teaching spiritual tools to people, you know, we can give examples. We can talk about how it worked in our own lives or or how it failed in our own lives. You know, some of the best tools come from failure. Um, But but you can't use the tools in the very same way that – the person who is speaking did, you know, you've got to be able to take them and learn to use them um, for your own life and um, in a way that actually works and is supportive to you. And, you know, and so we talked um, a little bit before about um, the Rima school that you are, that that I think in your purpose statement on it, it says something about um, practical theology and, you know, unity has that same thing that we're practical Christianity. And it's all about like, how can we take these spiritual ideas and spiritual tools and make them work in our lives, make them practical so that um, we can, so that it's alive. Right. And that's, then God is alive and, you know, spirituality. And and he's not as difficult or not difficult. He's not as complex as people like to make it. Um, I like practical theology because we're able to teach. This is my first year as being a professor. And um, I think it. I, I enjoyed being able to teach students how to see God in a practical way and how to see the tools of, you know, to see that, to understand biblical theology in, in a more practical sense. Um, you know, growing up, we used to be scared to read Revelation. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe because of all the, the heads and the, the, the you know, I, I'm not gonna lie, I probably was scared too. But you know, in some of the, in the teaching, it's able. I, we conquered so many people's fears of really understanding Revelation, and it became to a, a way of practically understanding it. You know, this is not literal. Don't take it this way. You know, right. but just different things like that. So I enjoy being able to take the spookiness out of God. If yes. that, if that that's the only way that I could say it. Yeah. I enjoy being able to, and people being able to embrace the fullness of God and who, how he really is and not the spookiness of it. Like you're not going to just drop dead tomorrow. Right. No, that's not how that works. You know? Right. Right. Um, I love that. And, you know, bringing scripture to life. So I taught when I was teaching, um, I taught um, Hebrew scriptures. And, oh, wow. and, and yeah, and people were so triggered by Hebrew scriptures. I mean, I would get people on the first day and they'd be like, I don't even want to be in this class, but I'm taking it because I have to. And because I have to. Yeah. That sounds like hermeneutics. You know, <laughs> yes. who, whose idea was hermeneutics in the first place? Right. Who was it? In, in learning Hebrew, whose idea? <laughs> whose idea was that? I just want to graduate. <laughs> right? Right. But it's so delicious because it's filled with stories of people about their communities, about their government, about their families, about their relationship with God. And and if you read them and just take them at face value, yeah. you know, rather yeah. than like, but was this true? Did this happen? Could this have happened? Right. Where is that? Right. Like, like right. let all that go. Let just I, that's just a bunch of crap. Just let just, that static go. And let's just so meet. Then I can talk yes. about that later. Is this going meet. to be on the test? That's what I need to know. Exactly. But if we meet the writer, just we meet the words on the page, and all of a sudden yeah. it yeah. becomes alive and relevant because it's oh, alive. I totally yes. I've felt like that before. I've had those thoughts. I've had those relationships. I've had you know, and and then we start to relate, and then like oh. 
and you know, so the two questions Marcus Borg asked, you know, why um, is the author writing this story, and why is the author writing it this way? So why are they telling the story, and right. why are they telling it this way? And those are so powerful and, because now, and what's actually going on during yes, this? Like yes. taking consideration everything that's happening while the while the writer is writing this. Yes. What is the situation? Yeah, what's context, going on? What brought him right? to come to this point? Context, yes, context is everything, and and when Absolutely. we do that, we ask those questions, and then we can shift out of like you said, the spookiness, out of like with the scariness, uh, because because that the portrayal of God in many ways is you know very much um, you know this punishing, angry God who wants that you know, and no, you know, no. but if we can get into the humanity of it, then we begin to um, relate and and like oh. I totally know what this is about, you know. Right. And actually, no one wants to come to a God that you think is about to kill you. Right. You, know? you don't right. want to be scared into salvation. Oh, I'm a God. Oh, let me go ahead. You know, right. God is a, a God. Is He's not that kind of guy. You know, this is something that is accepted willingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the goodness of it, not because of anything scary or you know you scared into oh I better do this or uh, X Y and Z. No, that's not how it works. Right. That's beautiful. It's you know we I mean I think we could probably nerd out on on the scripture and theology all day right um, but you know it's just so important it's so important um, because there has been so much oppression and um, and I think misuse of scripture and miscommunication and misunderstanding about it yes. and yes. which leads to misunderstanding of God and ideas and so it causes some people to reject God and to reject spiritual community and what we know is that um, at the same time you know whenever crisis comes that's what people are looking for. They're looking for comfort. They're looking for peace. And, um, and it's usually at a deeper level than just what I can get from, you know, a loved one that it's like at a soul level, what, you know, what, um, what is greater than me and, and how can I access that power, um, for my good. And one thing I'm thankful for is the grace of it all. Yeah. And if it had not been for grace, and I'm I'm so thankful for God's grace and His mercy because grace is what is what I'm what we're here for. This is yeah. the thing that keeps you. <clears throat> excuse me, grace. I, I'm thankful for the grace of God that I am. Yes. Oh, that I am. Yes. 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 I love it. Such goodness. Such good things. And so, talk to me about this. You know, because we're wrapping up Black History Month, and so it sounds like your um your childhood experience with church was in black churches. And that gospel, yeah, it, it was a gospel. mixture, actually. Was um, it? Okay. After um, I grew up mostly in black church, and then um, I, we, my my parents went to what's called Word Church. So the it went to a, a more of a, a Caucasian church. It was called Fairlane Assembly, and it was a predominantly white church. Okay. And so um, ORU and Rama, all of those are predominantly they're Word churches, but they were predominantly white. So I switched at an early age. Um, although I still got to go. I, my family church, you know, my grandmother and all them, they still went to the church that I raised. I was still raised in, mm-hmm. but my parents went to a different one. So I still got the best of both worlds, best yeah. of both worlds. Yeah. And so then how does that influence? Um, like, well, so I imagine part of the answer to um, how how Fresh Wind Restoration Center is different. You know, it's not going to be the Sunday or Wednesday experience that you're you're going to get anywhere else is possibly in part because you're blending cultures and, yes. and different experiences. Yes. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. So um, I've learned yeah. how I'm, I'm learning how to continue to blend both. Um, so we have uh, a certain, you know, we do certain things as according to the word, you know, according to a word church, kind of like a, um, a 
like a Rama or something like that. And then we also do things according to um, what you could say a black church. Mm -hmm. Um, We have praise and worship. So the songs are a mixture. Mm -hmm. So you'll get, you know, some good church from back in the day and Mm -hmm. then you'll get some from today, you know. Mm -hmm. So we're blending both. We're definitely blending both. I love it. And um, and so what is the makeup of your congregation in terms of race? Um, it's, it's predominantly black, but we do have, um, we're actually launching, um, Fresh Wind Iglesia, mm-hmm. which is, oh, that will cool. be the Hispanic location for mm-hmm. Fresh Wind and which will be in Fort Worth. Oh, look at you just growing and expanding. I love it. Oh, yes. Yes. That's it is awesome. a challenge. Pray my strength in the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. But that's beautiful. And that's, you know, and it's showing, you know, that people are wanting that people are wanting blending, people are wanting to come together and, and have a place, you know, I mean, we know that Sunday is still the most segregated day in America. And um, right. so to be able to move in a direction of, um, of, of, of blending and combining, um, you know, I think it's so important. And I think it's okay, in some regards to, to be separate. Um by by interest and by culture and and I think it's important to reach beyond the walls of the churches and so that we're coming together as people and as you know in the greater community that we're coming together absolutely and that's why Fresh Wind we do things differently one Sunday we were out um, um, in one of our neighborhoods and we were just passing out hugs we didn't want anything we just had a sign. Hey, can we share the love of God with you today? Do you need a hug? And we just hug people. And you would be uh, surprised at how many people embraced and said, mm-hmm. I've not had anyone hug me. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, just, you know, just sharing the love of God in a different way. We passed our water because, you know, Texas is hot as the outskirts of hell sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, we passed out water and we just shared the love and people loved it. And people were like, are you going to be here next week? I'm like, wow. Just because we were giving out hugs. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, you know, and it's so interesting. I love that, like sort of that free hugs ministry and, and it can sound like kind of wonky to people like why you're doing what, but it's amazing to witness that if you, so to my listeners, if you have never participated in that and you have an opportunity to do it because it is amazing Absolutely. how easy it, it, is, it is and how hearts just open. I mean, and that human connection, like you said, there are some people who don't get hugs. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. which like blows my mind because like is you're describing yeah. your ministry and and I know the unity context is like you're gonna get hugs all the time. We're getting hugs, you know. Absolutely. So if you're not getting them at home, I, you're gonna I, get them at church, you know. I was kind of like asking God, like, you want me to do what? Yeah. I'm like the leadership. They're gonna look at me like, really? We're gonna go pass our hugs. I'm like, yes, really. The Lord said it, and you're gonna show up and hug. And yes, oh look, we have it. budget for it. <laughs> right. Free. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that that is amazing, um, and it really is just one of those experiences that it's like it's so easy, it's so it easy to it do, is. and um, and the payoff is just huge, tremendous. You, you never know the life that you might have saved that day yeah, exactly. by just taking a moment and embracing someone else. Yeah, and we know that that um, I mean, there's the physiological, you know, aspects of how you know our bodies respond to to hugs. It's healing, and and then that emotional that heart you know response it's also healing and so to do that is, is really just is. extraordinary and in such a simple in such a simple way so talk to me about what you do in your free time because you know you have a church you have a you know a <clears throat> seminary and now you're starting a satellite ministry in over in fort worth and so like what sounds free like time? you have you that? have lots have of you, free time find it send it my <laughs> way no um 
one thing I'm learning, I'm learning and trying to get better at is a one thing that's called balance. Um, mm-hmm. I do not want to give so much where there's not enough time in the day or in, in my life for just me. So I'm definitely learning how to live a balanced life. You cannot be successful in anything you do without balance. Um, I do believe in making sure that you're working and you're doing things, but there also you got to make sure that you take time out for you. So if you ask me what I'm doing in my free time, I'm trying to figure out what I enjoy because I spent so many time, so much time in ministry and given that I lost Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. and I lost so many things that were valuable to me. And I don't want to go down that road again. So what I'm doing is learning how to have balance. So when I get off of work, my work day ends at my day job about five, I get home, I may work or do a little bit more for, you know, things I have to do for church and things of that nature. But at a certain time, my phone goes on to do not disturb. And if you are not in my favorites, and you call me, I probably will talk to you the next day, because that's the time where I have to have for my own life and my own home, and making sure that Sean is taking care of Sean. Yeah. And that I'm I'm able to live another day. Yeah, that's so critical. Self-care and that really carving that space out, uh, you know, because you, you we have to, as faith leaders, engage in our own spiritual practice and our own soul, you know, journey and to be present to that so that, Absolutely. you know, that's the filling up so that we have more to give. And it's so just, I'm definitely it's traveling and I'm enjoying life and living my best life. Yes, Wonderful. That's exactly what I'm doing. Wonderful. And you have a website, exquisitelyhitched.com. Yes. Exquisitelyhitched.com. So if you're looking for a wedding officiant, I got you. Yes, I, I do. I perform weddings. Yes. That's awesome. And um, and so you do that. And do you are you do you you're just starting a series at your church? But are you doing classes as well um, outside yes, of the seminary? We will begin. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of teaching Rama on Monday and, and Thursday, um, we will begin just t- t- uh, Bible classes, just basic back to the basic Bible type teachings and things of that nature on some Saturdays. So those are in the works as well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And um, and then to find more information about Free Wind Restoration Center, Facebook is really the best place for that. Fresh Wind. Yep. Yeah, Fresh Wind Fresh Restoration wind. Center. You can check us on Facebook and you can um, also check the Apostle page, Apostle LaShawn McIntosh, and it'll let you know everything that's going on. And so talk to me because Apostle is not a term that we use in unity. I'm usually minister and so we'll be called reverends. And um, so talk talk about the term Apostle and how it's used. Uh, apostle, I'm an apostle in the Lord's church and it's basically, um, one of the, the, one of the five folds. And I think you said I only have a minute, so we don't have a minute to explain that. So next time you come, we'll talk about all of Awesome. Awesome. Um, but you are the pastor, you are the minister of of the church. Yeah. Um, and so, so we just want anyone to be thrown by the term apostle. Um, so there's our music. No, That's our cue. It's been lovely to talk with you today, LaShawn. It's been great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Me. Next week, um, I mean, we're starting a new month, and um, I'm going to have Matt Kahn, who is um, a best-selling author in his new book, The Universe Always Has a Plan. So until next time, tune in and tune up in spirit. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw. 
And on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.